Welcome back to the Sports Booth Podcast, joined by myself, Luke, and Hughesy. Hello, G'day. <laughs> Hughesy is G'day, uh, in a fight, in a fight, in a, in a quick little fight, hopefully. <laughs> uh, yep. He has finally caught COVID after being so evasive for so long, lasting an extra six yep. months, and then, then myself, Hughesy, is now fighting the battle. So again, as we come back... Via video, that is one of the main reasons. <laughs> yeah, call me uh, call me Floyd Mayweather with how it's like dodging and weaving. Um, but just like just like Jake Paul, COVID finally got me. Um, <laughs> yes, and now Susie no, is fighting the battle. <laughs> yep, yep. Not making as much money as Floyd, but that's fine. <laughs> oh, we all wish we were making that much money. I can tell you that. Yeah. But a lot has happened in the. I gladly world. give up my ability to read to make the money that Floyd Mayweather makes. Yes, yes, I would too. I agree with that. <laughs> at that point, uh, as we may not agree on a lot, but I would agree with that point. So, but like I said, a lot has happened in the sporting week as Hughes has yes. gone gone on to fight this battle. Uh, Super Rugby semi-finals. Uh, all Black and Wallaby squads named, plus many other squads uh, in the world uh, for, named for the mid-season test series. Then we yep. have the NRL round 14, which is still currently happening with the Eels facing the Bulldogs to finish us off, and State of Origin game one on Wednesday last week. But let's kick straight into it with some Super Rugby chats. Super Rugby semi-finals, mm-hmm. Crusaders hosted the Chiefs in... Christchurch, and what you could say was a, a, a repeat of a similar style of game uh, to the first time these two squads played. It was a lot of tackling by the Crusaders and a lot of attack from the Chiefs, but this time the Crusaders were ready for it and managed to come away, I would say, in the end with a convincing enough win, 20-7, to seven, um, and pushed yep. themselves into a final 16th Super Rugby final, which is mad to think. Uh, when the comp's only been going for, what, 25, 27 years, I think? 1995 was the first year. Um, they've been in it in the final over half the time, which is just mental. And this is why everyone hates them. But yeah, uh, a good season. I, I didn't realise as well that the, the, the Crusaders coach, I forget his name, which is really bad. Scott Robinson. But that was his... Yep. That was his hundredth victory. That's mad. And he's eh? only lost four. And it's sorry, it's his hundredth, hundredth game. game, and he's only lost fourteen times. That's mental. And the yeah. team he's <laughs> team he's lost the most to is the Chiefs, and he's only lost four times to them. That's an incredible coaching record. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> this is why many New Zealanders wonder why he's not the All Blacks coach. But I guess when you've got a squad like he's got, and that was a lot of the thinking yeah. was he just took what he had and uh, has made it work. Just as well. So, I mean, yeah, Crusaders yep. move on. Chief season finishes. As we said all season, if there was a team that was probably going to surprise us the most, it was going to be the Chiefs. I think there was no surprise in the end that they got to the position they were in. I think it would have been a surprise yep. if they'd won. But again, they, they did everything right to put themselves in a position to to get close. They kind of, I think they've got the, the recipe there to beat the Crusaders. With, you've just got to make them tackle over 200 times and hope that you can break them. Again, they, they lacked a little bit of polish from what I watched of the of the game. Yeah, A couple of times I was like, man, that ball had gone to hand. You know, there was a play when they were attacking the Crusaders' goal line for a, a good at least 15, 20 phases. Then all of a sudden, kick it, like turn ship pass, kick down the field. They get down to the other side, uh, other field, uh, other side of the field, the Crusaders, within, you know, Two phases after the scrum, they've scored. So it's, it was like it was a bit like that. Like if you're going to beat this Crusaders team, you've got to be at 100. percent And there was just a couple instances where yeah. the Chiefs missed. But again, a good season yeah, for them. Yeah, there was a. I, 
I would agree with that. I watched that game as well. And yet, yeah, um, exactly right. They um, they got them. They they did everything right except for score points, basically. And they would sort of come apart in the face of a really stout Crusaders defense. Where the, yeah, there were a couple instances like there was once uh, where the um, uh, where uh, the center had the ball. And he could have run it in himself for the drive, but just tried to get it over the head of a defender to wing it and just sailed out of bounds. Instances like that stick out in my mind uh, for the, for this game. And, yeah. And, and there was also a couple of opportunities where the Chiefs could have kicked for penalties as well, which would have put them in a much closer position. But they, kept, I think they felt the pressure of the scoreboard yeah. and let that dictate their game style a bit much. But... Uh, I mean, it's easy to look back at the end of the game and say, oh, okay, well, we had all this possession. We could have just kicked penalties and won. You don't know you're going to have that possession in the game. You know you know that only that you have the ball at this present time and you've got to do something with it. So I understand why they didn't do it. I think that's often the bane of a lot of Australian teams, actually, is not kicking those penalties and, and going for, for tries sometimes when they need to realise it's an 80-minute game. So um, I'm surprised to see that come out of a, a New Zealand side. But the Crusaders were sort of clearly the better team. In this game, um, which I guess then brings us into our next game, where that wasn't the case, really. <laughs> the, the, who wasn't the better team, the Blues? <laughs> no, no, oh, no. So, so, so what I'm going to say, okay, well, I'll go into the next game. So the next game was the Blues versus the Brumbies, 20-19. to 19. While the Blues were the better side, there wasn't a clear distinction between these two, like I think there was between the Crusaders and Chiefs. Much tighter battle, as indicated by the scoreline, and ample opportunity for the Brumbies to win. But the Blues just were a bit better on the day. What what I actually think, and I this is, is true belief after watching the game, is the Blues were by far and away the better team. Now, what I think actually happened was you sh- saw a Brumby side that put a bit of pride back into the Australian jumper. And it, not just Australian like Wallabies, but like an Australian Super Rugby jumper. Yeah. Because from what I saw, it looked like, the Brumbies never looked like scoring until those last 10 minutes. They never looked like, like obviously, RA Mooney try was great, and, and, and that's how you need to start a game. But I was just like, every time the Blues looked like they broke, it was like, okay, here comes a try, here comes a try. And and to be down, what, they were 20 to twenty to 7 down, I think it was, or 20, yeah. And, Something like that. And to fight their way back to, to the position they kind of got themselves in, I was like, man, they just didn't... To me, when I looked at the game, I thought the Blues have this in the control, they're not losing this. And the Brumbies just... Slowly kept coming, and then they slowly kept coming. And it reminded me a lot of, of last week where you go, oh, after that first half, you go, Hurricanes are in, in control of this game. They can probably win this game. And it's like the Brumbies, as soon as that momentum starts for the Brumbies, I'm like, man, it's it's hard to stop them. And you saw it there. like yep. Even towards that last five minutes, or last two minutes, to get the turnover and everything, um, to get the ball back in, that, in the position, I'm like... It looked like they, they they turned the Blues into, you know, an under-fives team. I was like, just kick it down their end and say to the Brumbies, you've got to go 80 metres. Because I don't think the Brumbies could do that. The Brumbies, you know, meticulously wait, may make their way up the field. And, and and I definitely think the Blues were the better side. But I go, if the Brumbies had won that, they definitely deserved it, if you know what I mean. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah. from a mere factor that they were the worst side. They had put themselves in the best position to actually win the game. And I go, man, other than a, a Tom Robinson steal and, you know, a potential could-be penalty and a charge down from a prop, like, you, you know, there's yeah. those three situations there. I go, a Brumbies win, and you're not, like, you, you're not surprised by that Brumbies win in that game. But I think yeah. the Blues were the better team. But I just think, yeah, the, the Brumbies definitely, yeah, showed, showed, some, showed a lot he- of heart. I guess to, to put it a, a different way as well, 
say these are two uh, teams in, in rugby away or a classic rugby <laughs> game like that, you, the, the Blues would have the better overall rating Ratings. in the game for sure. But the Br- Brumbies on the day, I think you sort of alluded to it, elevated their play up to the same up to the same level and could have won it. A, a missed conversion by Noah Lolasio in the end was was the difference in the points. So if, if Lolasio gets that conversion. The, the finals in Christchurch with the Brumbies against the Crusaders, and it's the first time an Australian Super Rugby team has won a finals game in New Zealand in, God, too, too many years. But yeah. that, that is, that, I, think it's, I think it's great. I think it bodes well for Australian international rugby uh, this year as well, considering that 15 of the 35-man squad are Brumbies. Definitely, and, I think, and, and I've got it as a question later, and we'll touch it. I think Dan, Dan McKellar's now has... His aura and his presence, like you, you, you need to think exactly like you said in a rugby 08 presence. That's a the Blues are a, a, a 90 rated versus an 83 rated Brumbies team, and that's not a yeah. dig at the Brumbies team. I think, like I said, they played up to that level. <coughs> but I go Dan McKellar was just managed to put them in the right positions, and again, he's got this aura. Eden Park's got this aura that the All Blacks can't lose. This Blues mm. team was already rated higher, had the aura of Eden Park, and. Came away lucky in the end. If you uh, say it, you know, it takes a, a, like I said, a Tom Robinson steal, which uh, for a Brumby side who doesn't lose lineouts, to lose that lineout there would have been a surprise. And then yeah. even the, the drop goals are good. Like Back himself, I love the idea. The, the fact that a prop manages to charge you down probably means it's not going over. But again, I'm just like, there was a, there was those moments there, and I'm like, I feel like that, that Dan McKellar is taking this team, and, and could now that he's working with the Wallabies, I think it's a great signing for Australian rugby that this yep. aura, if, if, if Brumbies had won, that aura of Eden Park kind of would have would have taken a hit. And even getting as close as you did, like if a Wallabies game got that close in Eden Park, I think All Blacks fans would be a little bit worried. You know, there'd be questions about yeah. the All Blacks rather than so much, you know, like, like oh, you know, deserve it so like we just just won and this is where it should be the levels. I think yeah, it, it was a massive statement by him and and the Brumbies to get to get even that close and to have a shot at winning it and be so close. But yeah, so there's our yeah. two semi-finals onto a final which I think is probably like we said the two best teams up against each other now. A Blues versus Crusaders yeah. matchup in Eden Park, the home of New Zealand rugby for a deserved Super Rugby Pacific winner. I said it a few weeks ago. I said, "Was it a two-horse race?" You came back and said, "Yeah, look, this was that quarter pre-quarterfinals," and you said, "Look, Chiefs and Brumbies had the best chance to do it. They both gave it their best shots, came short, and we're down to this two-horse race." I, I honestly couldn't pick a favorite right now. If looking at the performances, like if the Blues had held the Brumbies to a twenty to seven or a twenty to ten or whatever it was, you know, scoreline or a twenty to twelve, I'd probably go, "Yeah, the Blues look the best." The way the Brumbies were able to come back in and just about steal it, I actually think the Crusaders go in favourites. Like uh, the, the 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 defensive work yep. they had to put into that game against the Chiefs, I go, "Man, I wouldn't be surprised if the Crusaders go up there and win." Like it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Yeah, uh, for me, um, and this is coming from an Australian rugby fan as well. Uh, Will Jordan is just on a different level of, of player from what I saw. And this isn't even with what he was able to do in attack, which was super impressive. Him and Moanga uh, is just such a dangerous combination. They, for my mind, they have to be the All Blacks 10 and 15, or at least they both have to be in the starting lineup uh, uh, somehow. I mean, yeah. you could work Bowden Barrett in there somewhere, I'm sure, as well. He's going to play, but I think Moanga has to be this, the the ten or like a replacement or something. And Will Jordan's definitely the fullback. But what 
Jordan was able to do in defense, his his speed at being able to get to where the ball is or where the attack's coming, I think is super impressive and is really worrying, obviously, as a Wallabies fan to see that, to see how <laughs> um, good he is. Uh, for me, I'm, and this will probably come down to our, our predictions as well, but I'm I'm tipping the Crusaders early early days here, like just looking at the two performances, um, and because of their ability to uh, to defend, and also the the Blues fading down the stretch a little bit against the Brumbies, um, I think if that had been a Crusaders versus Brumbies matchup, I don't know if the Brumbies come back in that game and make it as close as it is. I don't know if the Crusaders are that type. I mean, look, it's two sort of similar similar games here. You know, look. Both Crusaders and Blues scored 20 points. Both of them had their opponent at 20 to 7 at one point, but in one of those games, the 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 other team and it's an Australian team in New Zealand comes back a bit and is in a position to win the game. In the other one, the New Zealand rugby team, a team that's had title wins in recent history and is um, a team full of talent, is held scoreless. So for for me, the Crusaders more. They're, they're super scary with ball in hand. They had very little possession that game and still managed to put up 20 points in there. Their ability to play out of broken play is exceptional. So for me, and it might just be that, that aura of the Crusaders, that they're the Crusaders. Um, you know, they're always going to be successful and everyone will hate them for it. Yeah. Um, trust me, Australian <laughs> rugby fans hate them just as much as New Zealand rugby fans. So uh, just for me, I just look at... Bubble hates them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was um, I forget who the commentator is. You'll know who it is, but he's the he's a former Crusaders player, and he was just talking about the Crusaders and that everyone around Christchurch loves the Crusaders because they're always successful, and everyone else is just envious. And I'm just like, oh my god, Jesus Justin Christ, Marshall. this is definitely a former... Justin Marshall. Yeah, probably, yeah. probably Justin Marshall. <laughs> and it's just like, oh my god, and it's true. That's the annoying thing as well is that they are always <laughs> successful. They are always good, um, and they're well coached. They've got lots of talent and. Um, Scott Barrett's got the rudest head I've ever seen when he's got strapping tape around his forehead, but you can't deny the resiliency of that team without, um, even without, uh, Sam Whitelock and Ethan Blackadder, they played their hearts out. And, uh, yeah, I think the blues, even though they're going to be hosting that, that title game, uh, probably going to be feeling a bit nervous and I'm sure many Crusader fans will be making that trip. Yeah. I think it'll probably be a sellout from what I'm hearing about two sales and stuff, uh, there, but I think... I definitely look and I go, when we saw the Blues go down to Christchurch and beat the Crusaders, that was considered a monumental effort. Like, wow, like, how yeah. could they have done this? If Dalton Popoletti, which it looks like he's not going to be playing for the Blues uh, in this final, he's out with appendicitis. Uh, if he's not playing, I think that's a massive loss. Just just again for that aura he brings as a captain, as a player, the, mm. the level he played to at when he was in Christchurch and everything there. So, I mean... Still a long week of storylines before this final kind of even yeah. kicks off, so we'll be covering that and keep your eyes out for that. But I think, yeah, I think from both of us, we're, I don't know, I mean, it's hard. As a Hurricane supporter, you really couldn't give a crap about who wins this with the Blues and the Crusaders because you <laughs> fucking hate both of them. But I, I am nervous for another Crusaders victory. I'm going to have to live for in my lifetime. That is going to hurt twice as much, yeah. I think. So that's that. I will move on to a quick question. I haven't actually put it in the run sheet, but I'm going to give, ask you this anyway. Okay, where to next for Australian rugby in terms of Super NRC? I know we had that comp there. What do you reckon would be best? Because I have a theory, and if you want to hear my theory first, let me let me go. You let me know. But if you have any ideas, 
I, yeah, let, let me see if I've got any ideas and see how they align to yours and see yeah. how, how synchronized we are in, think, in our thinking. I can't... For me, oh, it's, it is very hard. But, I mean, I, I do think like an NRC-style system is a good way to go more than like shoot shield. See, the thing is, is that you need the shoot shield talent in the, in the NRC or you need the top tier shoot shield. Um, and you know, whatever the other state based competitions are, um, you need that talent in the NRC. And then that takes away then from, from shoot shield. So it really has to be, I don't think this is something that could be like a next, next year decision. I think this is going to be, this is a roadmap and this is where we're going to get to. This is what we want to do. Whereas I think with the NRC it was a bit too snap decision, but you need to say something like, uh, it's like, so the, the Dolphins in the NRL, they're joining next year, but they were announced they were joining last year. So there's like a two-year gap where they can recruit players and they can do the transition, like, something like that. I think something like that would be really good, where you have the championship, not coming in 2023, but 2024. And then these teams have this massive recruitment drive where they are t- signing players. And that gets into the news media. And signings and media, things like that, always generate interest in these teams and things like that as well. And... Um, I think as well, um, we always see in Super Rugby, like the like some of the players wear their shoot shield team uh, socks and things like that, um, having players from each of the Super Rugby teams associated with each of these teams. And I think you make it mandatory for any Australian player that plays at Super Rugby to have to be on one of these NRC rosters. So that way, if they ever drop from the Super Rugby team, we know where they, they sort of know where they're going. And also... Everyone else knows where they're going, um, and it, it generates more interest for for these teams. And uh, yeah, I mean, getting them to play a game like one game per season for one of these teams might be a thing. But again, there's injury, always injury concerns, so on and so forth. Especially when you're playing with people at a lower skill level, there's a greater chance of injury because their technique's not as good as the higher level, so on and so forth. But having them involved in some way with those clubs and building up the image and reputation of those clubs, I think is is important. But yeah, you need something to rival the NRL in terms of not necessarily, you're never going to get the same media coverage, but in terms of like getting the local fans involved, having a local club for uh, people to go and support that, uh, that plays against other uh, clubs across Australia. And I think that's, that's what it'll, that's what's, that's what's needed. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 different from the NRL as well because you have that level above, which is Super Rugby, which is also doing a similar thing. So it's hard to it's hard to decide. So my thought, and I think someone mentioned it earlier. I think my, my, I might have been listening to Brad Ford in an after match speech. Yeah. Um, discuss it, and I actually think it's a brilliant idea. I, I don't. He didn't go too deep into details, but I loved the the concept. So what I'm thinking is, you go for another Super Rugby AU contest, okay? So you just play it at the end of the year. So anyone not on that Wallabies tour is now back in their Super Rugby club. What I would do is I'd add three teams. I'd add another team based out of New South Wales. I'd add another team based yeah. out of Queensland. And I'd add a Barbarians team, which, you know, is just an all-round plays as they go. They have no hometown. They have no home venue. But mm. it's just a team based there. I go, okay, this is going to be our second comp. So anyone in the Wallaby squad, anyone who, you know, is signed to Super Rugby and is close to the Wallabies and doesn't want to have, doesn't have to play in it, you know, we'll, we'll let teams negotiate and deal like that way. But I think it's a good second opportunity. So any of that, that second team based out of New South Wales, let's for an example, base them out of Newcastle, just for example, just so yeah. they're a bit further away. 
based amount of Newcastle, okay, anyone, they could be signed to any of the five, you know, super rugby franchises, but they uh, play for the Newcastle team. And again, like you said, you get those three teams, they do a draft type style in, like signing in, signing mm. players in. So you've got that, that in Queensland and New South Wales and a Barbarians team, you've got eight teams there. You play, you know, one round robin. And again, you could just do six and just go cut the crap. Let's get a Barbarians team in. So one team that just comes in and travel, but picked of other players. Barbarians team in there. Six, you play twice round robin. That's only 10 weeks. It doesn't need to be a long competition. Straight finals mm. makes it 11 weeks. You know, like, so if we go, Super Rugby is going to finish what? Where are we now? July, June, June, July-ish, you know. I know we're in June, but, like, when it's all finished, you give them a couple of weeks off July. This kicks off, let's say, start of August, runs until the end of October. Then you go into, boom, you know, end of year tour, stuff like that. Boom, they go straight back from, you know, December, November, December into their Super Rugby team for those who have made it. I just think it works really Mm. well. Even if you did uh, eight-team league and you played everyone twice and it was 14 weeks and it's just a a ladder system, there's no finals, uh, I think that was, to me, was the best. Or even if, you again, you don't, you just have seven teams and you find a way to do it. Whatever the number is, just to make that work. And if you play everyone once or you play everyone once and some teams twice, it doesn't matter. But it's just, what I saw from Super Rugby AU was the fact that, you know, Australians do care about rugby. They just also care about winning. And so you saw the final between the Brumbies and the Reds, you know, was 48,000 fans. That's that's not a small amount of fans of Australian rugby to come in to watch a final. Yeah. So I think there's got to be, you have that again and you have that intensity, you know, over August to October. With similar levels, again, the Wallabies guys probably aren't playing it um, unless, they're, you know, they've been dropped. But it gives an opportunity for all of those guys who haven't made this squad and are looking to push for the end of year tour an opportunity. And it's not none of this NRC crap where it's like, you know, Queensland country or Queensland city. It's, here you go, this is, you know, you're, you're in your franchise, you've got the force, you've got the guys who are there, you've got the Rebels, you know, these guys are going to be playing now all year round for the force and the Rebels. And then you've got these three other teams that, you know, you could go, okay, well, if the Melbourne Rebels aren't performing for two, three more years, and all of a sudden this Newcastle-based team sticks its hand up, or even Redcliffe team sticks its hand up, and they start playing really well, and we go, okay, well, we're going to do a relegation battle now based off, you know, this, and these teams will go into the Super Rugby next season. I just think you could create something quite special and still have a a higher intensity than you had at the NRC. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, I think it would be rough to have relegations based off that if like rebel some rebels like the best rebels players are then in the wallabies squad but i could see it being being factored in say or even an argument for um expansion i think expansion would be a big ask but yeah it'd be definitely good to have those other teams in there um yeah and i think having some way of introducing like the shoot shield level talent into the arena is good. Like you've now got these gaps in the team that need to be filled. And I think, yeah, making a big deal out of that and like, which, um, who goes into the, the extra teams, right? Like, um, who goes to the Newcastle team, who goes to the barbarians team or whatever. And, uh, yeah, that, that for me is the biggest difficulty is where do the players from that Newcastle team come from? Because uh, you've got all of these, you've got all, you've, you've got the top talent essentially signed to the Super Rugby teams. So where does the talent for 
Newcastle team come from because they're already signed to the Super Rugby teams. Unless you do sort of a redistributing of the rosters or something like that. For my mind, I think you could start it out with it just being the five Super Rugby teams. You don't need to add another team in. And then one team just has a bye per week. Or even if you just um, get variants and then you you have a overlooking squad, like you said, the best shoot shield players get selected into that. You know, it's not, they're not signed yeah. to anyone. It's just, it's a, it's legitimately for all those guys who make this Barbarian squad is a train and trial deal. Like you're on your, trying your best to get a spot on one of those five franchises. You don't have a home ground. Yeah. yeah. You guys move around, you play, and then you don't have a buy each week. You know, you play two weeks of that, yeah. two rounds of that. I think it works really well. I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think the Barbarians idea works better than I think like a, a franchise based team. And then that way it's even, it's a, it's a big upset if they ever win a game basically. Um, well, yeah, like, like, so I, I do crazy. like the idea of that. The, the reason I say this and the only reason I say this is because it worked for the New Zealand under twenties, uh, super rugby comp. So we have five teams. Yeah. So I put a barbarians team. Guess who fucking won it? The barbarians team went and won the New Zealand under 20 comp. The guy, the yeah. captain who won player of the tournament was let go by the Crusaders under 20 team. So he was allowed to go play for the Barbarians because the Crusaders mm. didn't want him. All of a sudden he's player of the tournament. You know, like how great of a story would that be? Like a shoot shield guy who's, you know, built his time, tried, tried, tried. New South Wales Waratahs haven't selected him. Again, maybe a backup first five who's behind the, the, the golden three you've got at the moment. And then he goes... Yeah has a shot here and then all of a sudden the Melbourne Rebels have just picked up a superstar because he plays really well and I just think again that works really well and that gets no buys you, you're playing every week you only do two yeah. rounds of that that's 10 weeks plus a final series uh, I think it works really well and even the final series that you did in Rugby AU like that comp I liked three versus two then the one that winner goes straight through so it's like it gives that that value so I think that could work out really well in my head I'm just conceptualising it right now like, I think that works out yeah. really really well that just add a barbarians team you'll get you know even if the waratahs say they have someone signed the waratahs and they go actually we don't have room for you in this au comp go and play for the barbarians like mm. they're not going to care if he's plays the shit out of it because that's what they want again they want these guys getting game time so i'd actually see you know some of those squads would start to expand and i reckon you know the reds go oh you know you're coming back from injury, go and play for the Barbarians and we'll, we'll we'll still have an eye on you there and at least you get some rugby. They could still get some top-level guys as long as they're signed to the you know the right team. You get a couple of really good coaches in there who just want to do it for the fun of it, you know, like, you know, there's no there's no pressure if you win or lose. It's not like you, 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 you're losing anything. You, you've got some trick plays. I know in the in the Barbarians under-20s, they had a, a tap penalty that went to the lock and he did a behind-the-head kick and it was caught on the full and scored. So stuff like that. It's a Barbarians team, so it's based off that. But with those guys getting the opportunity to play at such a high level, I just think, yeah, it's it's a it's a big opportunity. Yeah. Alrighty, so that's our kind Agreed. of thoughts on where Aussie Super Rugby could head and and definitely look into. Let's just quickly touch base on the namings, the squads. We'll start with the Wallabies, who was named first with their free match test series against England. Uh, I'll read it up from top to bottom: Alan Alatoa, Tom Banks, Angus Bell, Quade Cooper, Pone Famosului. Uh, Falau Fainga, Nick Frost, Jake Gordon, Michael Hooper, Jed Holloway, Lena Cattell, Andrew Callaway, Samu Karevi, Marika Kotobiti, Rob Leota, Noel Olaseo, Lachlan Lonigan, Tate McDermott, Caden uh, Nemville, James O'Connor, Hunter Pasami, Isaiah Parisi, Jordan Pataya, Matt Phillip, Dave Pariki, Pete Samu, Scott Seo, James Slipper, Darcy Swain, Taniela Tupo, Rob Valentini, Sir... Uh, Suli Vinavalu, Nick Wright, White, and Harry Wilson, and Tom Wright. Uh, and as you said, 15 Wallabies was the, the big backup, I think. Seven Reds, six Waratahs, and 
Four Rebels. Four free, Rebels, I think. Free international. I think four Rebels. Yeah, four Rebels, free yeah, international. Three in- so no Force players, unfortunately. Um, but I mm. don't think many of them were even close as I look at the score. No. Fergus Lee Warner, probably the closest, but he was heading overseas. So I imagine that yeah. was taken. No real surprises, as Dave Rooney said. Like, there's no bolter. Vonivalu may be a little bit lucky. Uh, like Dylan Peach and Mark. Uh, I can't say his last name, so I'm going to wait for you to say it. Uh, Nawaka Nitawase. There uh, it is. <laughs> Nawaka Nitawase. Yeah. He, he, Nawaka he, Nitawase. Yeah, he, I've got to say it a couple of times. Yeah. He, those two miss out, but again, I think anyone you put on that last <laughs> wing spot, last outside back spot, is uh, an outsider. So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's because Corabetti's got to be one of the wingers. There's, there's no doubt yeah. about it. He's been Australia's best player for a while, uh, last couple of seasons, I reckon. Um Look, Kellaway's in there. I think they've got they think they've got great wingers for if someone does go down or if someone gets a red card or a suspension or something. So I think it's good. Uh, Vudavalo, I really like. Uh, obviously, a former uh, Melbourne Storm player, um, and uh, NRL produces great wingers and great outside backs for rugby union, which we've seen in the which we'll see in the All Black squad as well. So I do <laughs> quite like him as a winger. I think he's a very powerful uh, winger, which is which is good. I think the Wallabies. Uh, need that. I think that's probably the one knock on um, Kellaways. He's not um, built like a brick shithouse like Corabetti and Vunavalu are. So yeah, no, um, I mean, yeah, yeah, he's got he's got X factor, which is which is good. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think he's been a hundred percent used or played at his highest potential, which I think that's what the Wallabies will be looking to yeah. unlock. I think I honestly think Tom Wright starts on a wing though. Uh, I think him and and Bitti, I think Tom Wright's form for the yeah. Brummies. That try saver against Bowden Barrett. Not a lot of guys make that. And yeah, he's. I think he's. It's a coming of age real thing for him because I've, every time he's been named, I've never been like oh, I'm scared of him. But I'm more scared of Tom Wright than I am of Tom Banks. And that's starting to say yeah. something for Tom Wright. Yeah. So I mean, that's. I yeah. think that he's looking really good. I mean, yeah. Other than that, I think. Jed Holloway deserves a spot. Nick Frost is a bit of an outsider. I don't know. Again, I, I like Ryan Smith from from the Reds. I think he will be the, the yeah. bottom of the wings. But that the, that's the issue with me is the locks. Is you know you know someone like Nick Frost. You've got three Brumbies in there. Matt Phillips probably pushing above Nick Frost. So that means that Matt Phillips getting ever so closer to being named in the Wallabies, which yet again doesn't scare me. Um, but again. Yeah. I think a really good score. What did you think about the three players you brought back? Because talking about locks, obviously you've got Skelton and Rory Arnold overseas, uh, but they've gone yeah. with the three Japanese boys. Yeah, so Corabetti, O'Connor, and Cooper. Uh, look, I think O'Connor and no. Cooper are both Groovy. the best. O'Connor's based Groovy? Did we not bring Cooper? Brought- oh, yes, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. O'Connor's already No, no, there. sorry, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, sorry. Uh, I'm focusing on O'Connor and Cooper first, though, because oh, I think yeah. that... They're, they're, they're tied together because obviously one of them is going to play okay. 10. Um, and I think that having, I think they're both older, obviously. They're in their 30s, right? They're, you know, Cooper is old. I wouldn't say O'Connor is old yet, but um, they're both experienced, which I think is necessary. And I think um, O'Connor uh, and Cooper both last year stood up on the international stage. So I quite like bringing Cooper in to be the backup to O'Connor, I guess. Uh, Karevi, I think, is super dangerous, a dangerous ball runner, um, and I think he could be one of Australia's best players. I think the centre position is super crowded for the Wallabies. 100%. But where where I think they're... Um, uh, where I think they... And then Corabetti, I've, I've, I've already spoken about Corabetti, he's amazing. Where I think 
the Wallabies have a question mark for me is fullback. Like, yes, you've got Tom Banks there, but I don't... He's not... He doesn't... It's like, okay, Tom Banks is like... <laughs> you look at the Wallabies versus the All Blacks, right? And if Will Jordan's the All Blacks fullback and Tom Banks is the Wallabies fullback, it's like looking over to your neighbour and they've got a Ferrari parked in their front yard and you look at your car and you've got a beat-up VW Beetle or something like that. <laughs> like, sure, it'll get you from A to B, but you're really not liking your chances in a drag race. Um, and you certainly, certainly have concerns when a collision is concerned. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, for me, Jordan like, Jordan Bataille, Bataille, yeah. Yeah, that's, for me, like, I, I feel like he's got more X-Factor to him. Like, I think you know sort of more what you're going to get out of Banks in fullback, which isn't terrible, but it's not great. I don't think you've got to beat the All Blacks with it. I think you could, you could beat England with him. And I think, I think, putting Pattaya there and giving him some more experience at fullback at the international level against England because it is better. At the end of the day, of course, your goal is to go out there and win this England against win the series against England. But that's not the real goal of Australian rugby. The real goal of Australian rugby is always to try and beat the All Blacks to get the Bledisloe back. That's always the goal. That, that everything that you have to be... And I think if it's not, it should be. If it's not, someone needs to be slapped... And had their head screwed uh, on a bit tighter. That what, has, do, what do we? What do we want? What do we want? One that goal. is the ultimate. <laughs> that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate goal. I think even it's hard to say what would be better: Bledisloe or World Cup. Like it, it's it's hard to know which one <laughs> Australian fans would care more about. And I think they're pro pretty well up there at the moment for like those should be the. The, the two goals and one a, one you're not B, winning yeah. A, yeah you're not winning a world cup this year so what are we doing this year we're playing a bledisloe okay so let's try and win the bledisloe this year so the england series should really be prepped for seeing what what you can do to win the the bledisloe and win the rugby championship and for me you know what you're getting from tom banks out the fullback spot right um you know what you're getting from jordan Pattaya as a player but i think he needs that chance to build the combinations out of fullback to build his game a little bit. He's only 22, right? He's still young. He's still learning. So I think put him him at fullback um, against a good England squad. They've got a good uh, fullback themselves in Marcus Smith. I believe he was named to the, the squad, right? Um, and he's, he's a he first plays five. Fullback, right? I remember no, he's a correctly. first five. Nah, first five? Who am I thinking of? Freddie Stewart plays played fullback for them in the most Maybe. recent ones. But yeah, again, they'll, be, they'll, much, they'll have someone. They'll have someone. They'll, they'll they'll have a good test in there. I thought Marcus Smith played fullback. I don't know why I thought that. Um, but <laughs> yeah, he's a very good player. Uh, so get Pattaya in there against a good a good challenge, right? This you know this is a quality side England. So have yeah. Pattaya back there, have him learning a bit. I think he's got a special talent, and he's young. He can learn. He can get better, and. Uh, yeah, sort of declutter that centre position as well. I mean, you look at the centres, right? You got Karevi, got Pattaya, potentially Parisi, Paisami, like uh, Len Ikatao as well. So at least you know if someone gets injured, they've got very, very adequate replacements in there. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think Tom Banks going going overseas will be a big effect as well as to see when this mm. first squad is named. Like, 
He, the fact that he isn't going to be here for next year's World Cup, you, like you said, your two goals obviously are winning the bleeder slow. So it wouldn't surprise me to see, depending how the series yeah. goes, you know, they split, they go 1 1 and then decide if the series is still up for grabs, they put the best person in that position because they won in the bleeder slow this year. But they've got to, he's got to have an eye on, the, on, on next year and with Tom Banks not. You know, playing in Japan, I don't yeah. think he'd be one of your free guys you'd bring back. You wouldn't focus around Tom Banks. No. So I would say, yeah, yeah. He, he's definitely looking at that. Sorry, continue. One uh, one omission that surprised me was Fraser McWright. Um, yes. And then, yeah, I think he's played very well. But, I mean, they, they, this, the Wallabies have honestly have got... And it, this is going to... Wallabies have got talent all around the field. I think except for... I, for for two positions, really, that I think there's, there's two positions that sort of let them down in terms of talent, and that's uh, 10 and 15. I think across the board, everywhere else, they match up with the rest of the world. Um, and, and when we say the rest of the world, we mean New Zealand. That's Australia. It's like, <laughs> as I said, it's it's the it's the it's the it's the measuring stick we measure our rugby success by. It is um, it is very interesting here. There's no second like number seven name. Like I'm looking at the list now, and yeah. most likely like Pete Samu played there, obviously in the semi final. He's not a, obviously yeah. a number seven. So my only assumption is Michael Hoover is going to play three games. It did interest me, Fraser McWright wasn't named in that to start that quarter final against the Crusaders. So. Again, I don't think he's done anything wrong, but there's got to be mm. something there. They're obviously thinking. I, I think it must be size-wise. Again, he's a smaller number seven. He'd played the whole season. It must be. I wouldn't yeah. surprise me if, as a good number seven, you have some niggle somewhere and you're hiding it. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if they say to him, all you've got to do this off-season, mate, is bulk the fuck up and, and you'll be in the squad next year. Because, I, again, like you said, he yeah. played well. And the fact that they haven't named... A fully fledged backup number seven is good news for him, I guess. Like he's not, he's not completely lost out to someone in that spot. They've gone with, you know, a Rob Leota to play who can play six and lock, um, or you know, like I said, a, a Pete Samu. So yeah, I don't think it's the end of the world. Harry Wilson, obviously, just a number eight. Um, so yeah, interesting, very interesting. So Should well, they... yeah, I guess that's the Wallabies squad, and I, yeah. you know, I think it's going to be a. A great uh, test series about against England. I hoping I can get to the Sydney game. I need to need to have discussions with my people about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm already going. My tickets booked, but I'll be going on an All Blacks jump yeah. no matter what because I hate both of those teams again. Um, okay, on to the All Blacks. Okay, wait, 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 no, wait, 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 wait. I do have to ask if you had to pick one, had to gun to your head. You have to say you have to wear the jersey of one of these teams. Which which team's jersey are you wearing? Oh, okay. See, now if you if you told me if you had to pick a winner, I'd probably pick the Wallabies because I really hate English rugby. But if I'm putting, I'm never putting on a Wallabies jersey. There's no way I'll okay. ever put a Wallabies jersey on. So I would put the English jersey on, but I would root for the Wallabies. <laughs> yeah, I can root for the Wallabies because no, they're big English, it. but I I could never put a Wallabies yeah. jumper on unless I've I I could put I could <laughs> I could I completely understand that because I would be the same way. I would yeah, be the same way. Yeah. I couldn't put an All Blacks jersey on, but if it's All Blacks versus South Africa, I'll go for the All Blacks because, I mean, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a bad person, you know? <laughs> okay, yeah, no, fair question. But, yeah, I would never put a Wallabies jumper on um, yeah. unless I had a yeah. gun to my head um, and it was the only choice yeah. I had. But you give me another choice, I'll put another jumper on. Okay, yeah. All Black squad. Uh, Dane Coles, Samasoni, Takahihau, Cody Taylor, George Bauer, Nepola Laula, Aidan Ross, Angus Tarville, Carl Tuanafaki, 
Offa, Tunga Fussy, Scott Barrett, Josh Lodge, Brody Retallick, Tupavai, Sam Whitelock, Sam Kane, Akiria Oani, Dalton Papali'i, Adi Sevilla, Hoskins Satutu, Peter Gusso, Kula, Finlay Christie, Falau Fakatava, Aaron Smith, Bowden Barrett, Richie Mwanga, Stephen Perifeta, Jack Goodhue, David Havili, Rico Ioane, Roger Tuavasa-Shek, Quintapaya, Jordy Barrett, Caleb Clark, Lester Fanganuku, Will Jordan, Sevu Reese. So I'm going to miss it. The, the people who I think missed out, and it's it's hard. Like the the hookers is the interesting one because you've got Asafa Amor and Kurt Eklund who had much better seasons than you'd say Dane Coles, but they're always going to pick Dane Coles. And I I think when I look at those lists, Dane Coles, Cody Taylor, are guaranteed selections until Dane Coles don't want to retire or isn't good enough anymore. And then I think the third best was Samasoni Takahiro. So I think they've made the right selection there. Props, a big one, a big miss. I think Ethan De Groot. Probably is feeling a bit unlucky over Carl Tui Unafaki, as I butcher his name. But yes, I think yeah. that's probably the, the, the one prop I see there, and I'm like, okay, missed out. Uh, the locks, Patrick Tui Polotu got made um, ineligible just recently, along with Damien McKenzie, even though they're on a sabbatical to Japan. Just for this series, though, I think they're able to play rugby championship. I may be wrong, so I know he'll be... Unfortunately, missed out. Uh, all the mm. all the back rowers was an interesting one, purely for the fact that they selected Peter Gus, big Peter Gus. I feel like that was a selection probably aimed at keeping him in New Zealand. Um, obviously, he's had a fantastic season, but I think they probably could have gone in another direction and would have made people interested. It's great to see his name there. And then the halfbacks was, yeah. was, was probably the biggest talking point in New Zealand at the moment. No Brad Weber, no TJ Perinara. I think TJ Perinara yeah. not being selected as much as I love him was a foregone conclusion. It wasn't, he, he can still obviously earn his spot back if he plays well enough. Was the best halfback for the Hurricanes. And I'd say he's behind Brad Weber as fifth in line. So there's not far behind him. The two big names are obviously the two Highlanders players, Falau Fakatava. I knew everyone in New Zealand kind of knew it was the worst kept secret because yeah. um, Ian Foster had pushed for him to be, you know, made eligible. So he was always obviously getting selected. But that's two from the Highlanders of a team that won four games a season. Interesting. Finlay Christie deserves a spot. So I think is obviously there. Stephen Perifeta deserves a spot as third fly half slash fullback. Jack Goodhue's an interesting selection for me. They needed a backup 13 over Rico Arne, but I don't think he's had a great... He didn't have a great quarterfinal, had a better semifinal, um, so it'll be interesting mm. to see how he's worked his way back from injury. And then the, 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 the last kind of big selection is Geordie Barrett, but he's been named and put in the image as an outside back and not a centre. Mm. So it's not a surprise that he's been selected, but the fact that he was put into the, the graphic as an outside back... Has me a little bit nervous because Will Jordan's by far the best fullback in the world. So he must be. They must be thinking as Geordie as a winger with the opportunity to come into those centres, Bosch. Because that that was the issue I had. Yeah. I I didn't have Jack Goodhue selected when I made my prediction. I had Geordie Barrett as a centre, but we had no backup thirteen. But with Lester Fanganuku selected, he can also play thirteen. But other than that, I think a lot of good selections. A bit, a couple of surprises, but um, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm disappointed with any names. I'm not. Surprised. Yeah, I think I think the biggest. Biggest name in there that you didn't really talk about is obviously Roger Tuovasashek. Like, it's in, a, a great story. Like, uh, he's less than 12 months ago was playing rugby league, and now he's here in the All Black squad. I think it's a, I mean, obviously, he's an amazing athlete and a tremendous rugby player and rugby league player. Uh, and, you know, he was, he was the best player in rugby league for a few years. I don't think he's the best player in rugby union, but I think he's 
pushing up there in terms of his his skill with to be he's obviously amongst the best players because he's in the All Black squad. So exactly, I think yeah. it's a great a great job by by him. And uh, I'm going to say something a little bit controversial now. I think it's actually quite good for rugby league that he's made the All Black squad because I think it shows kids in New Zealand that yes, you can go play for the Warriors, you can go play rugby league for a couple of years, and if you're good enough, you could still come back and make the All Black squad. And yeah. I think if you, if anything is going to convince kids in New Zealand to play rugby league, it's that, because I, speaking as an Australian, but I'm sure you could confirm this, the goal <laughs> of, I'm sure every New Zealand kid that touches our rugby ball is to play in the All Blacks, right? That's the ultimate well, Not to play dream, for the because Kiwis? Because that's, <laughs> <laughs> no. that's, that's the ultimate goal of every kid that picks up a rugby ball in Australia, in Australia, there's two goals, right? To play in a state of origin team or to play for the Wallabies. Yep. Whichever side of the rugby ball you fall on, that's the that those are the goals. Whereas New Zealand, there is one goal, which is play for the All Blacks. So to show that if you're good enough, you can play. And Sonny Bill did this as well. Uh, Israel Folau did it in Australia. But I think Roger Tuivasashek is probably... Uh, is, is 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 a refresher of the same example that you can play rugby league and then come back and come back and play rugby union and make the All Blacks if you're good enough. And I think if anything is going to encourage kids to want to stick up their hands to play for the Auckland uh, Warriors, it'll be that. Yeah. No, I mean it is. It's a good, <coughs> it's a very good point, and I think you know the Benji experiment had a little pe- probably a few people shook because. It didn't translate yeah. well. And I think the, the good thing about this, and again, not to take away from Izzy Folau or Sonny Bell, was those guys are natural-born, gifted athletes, like like built mm. like fucking rocks, you know? Roger Tuivasa-Shek, as, 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 as a gifted athlete as he is, he's not built like a rock. He's not, a, yeah. again, a Ben Teo or even a Sam Burgess, those ones who can move and just do it this size. Now, he's actually got to mm. use his skill sets to perform on the field, and that's stepping, but it's also he's... Not just done that, he's gone from on a wing or at fullback to a number 12 jersey, which, you know, Sonny Bill went from a second rower to a 12 jersey, pretty similar. Sammy Burgess, same type thing. You know, Bentio, same type thing. Izzy Folau, fullback to fullback or wing to wing, wing to fullback. Again, a lot more with the athletes gifted. It's, you know, they're doing their jobs. Rogers' main job isn't to truck the ball up. It's, it's actually to be skillful in his position at his name. So I think, yeah, yep. a massive tick in the box for... Rugby league, although it, it, you continue. Probably the, the other thing as well is that um, great for all those other players that you named, except for probably Ben Teo, right? Including Benji Marshall, clouds of news stories and controversy follow them around, right? Israel Folau, Sonny, you know, deserve it or undeserve it in in their in their cases, but they were always news stories wherever they went for right and for wrong reasons. Whereas Roger Tuivasa-Shek, I mean. He's <laughs> exactly. Um, he's 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 a great guy. Like he's you never hear anything negative about him, right? You all only hear uh, hear, hear good things, and I, I think that's really important as well as to keep that uh, that positive image associated with both codes. And to have him as the representative, it's not just the the bad boy rebelling from rugby league, going to rugby union and finding a home or something like that. Um, look, I think he's up there with James Blackwell for nicest guy in rugby. <laughs> like, I think he's he's, he's he's approaching those levels. He could, he could, he could definitely get that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that is the All Black squad and the Wallaby squad. It's uh, more out of interest for us 
to see the squads that we actually care about, which are those two, rather than the English and the Irish squads that are going to be coming over here because we got our eyes yeah. set on a bleeder slow. Um, so, yes, let's move on to the rugby league. Let's start off with mm. the good, the bad and the ugly from round 14. Obviously, game, as yep. we said, on right now, which I'm assuming the Eels are beating the doggies, but let me check before I... Stick my foot yeah, in I've it. got the page no open way. myself. Oh, no, no. Wow. Yeah, there you go. Well, oh. this might invalidate some of my talking points, but we'll see how we go there. <laughs> this, yeah, this is a surprise and a half. Okay. Uh, yeah. So let's go. Let's start with my, me as the good. Um, the Cowboys, I think. An undermanned Cowboys squad. We said, I said, look, <laughs> Dragons aren't wanting to August. Uh, it started. It started because the Cowboys put them to the sword. An undermanned Cowboys squad. Put the Dragons to the score with well, a big blowout win. 36-12, I believe not that it was. Under, not that no, under. No, no, no. 31-12. 31, 31, 31, 31-12. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, only by, yeah. Like, yeah, just yeah. about 20 points. Okay, yeah. No, I, I, I have, I've, got some, I've got some thoughts on that game, but that'll come in my good bad in the outcome, so <laughs> we'll wait for that. Uh, for the bad, the shit teams, obviously. The shit teams being the Warriors, the The team Knights, from Gold Coast. <laughs> <laughs> the Titans... Uh, the what team? Sorry, what team? <laughs> yeah, we don't mention them here. Uh, the Tigers, yeah. all of them being blown out quite convincingly uh, without putting much of a fight. So we said yeah. again, it's still better than it was last year when we were having the massive blowouts. Yeah. But it is, you know, that's a uh, again. Let's even. I'm going to count the dragons in this, but this is more bottom eight versus top eight. You know, nineteen yeah, points, yeah, I know what you mean. fourteen points. You've got sixteen points. You've got, I don't even want it, 36 points, sorry, 16 points, 26 points, 24 points, yeah. and 22 points. All big, big results for this 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 year, I would say. Obviously not as bad as last year, but yeah, it's it's the shit teams didn't show up this round and put much of a fight up. Yeah. The good teams kept winning. Uh, we're saying that all as the doggies are up 10-0 over the hills, but it was yeah. much more of a as, a, as a whole, like it wasn't looking good this round. Yeah, look, the Eels occasionally will Do put this. in a performance like this, and that's it. this is why this is why they're at best a top four team and not a top two team because oh, top well, two. That's not what your power rankings say. Huh? <laughs> I, so I don't have them as second. You did for a couple of weeks, yeah. Yeah, and that's why I've taken them out because they put in performances like this. You pre-saw this why the pi- <laughs> That's why the power rankings are dynamic, right? Um, Alrighty, so my yeah, I'm just gonna, hold I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do my good, bad, and the ugly. I was just All gonna right. say my sort of thoughts on your bad there is, uh, is I agree. Uh, I yeah. think the and this will actually come into play in my good, bad, and the ugly as well. Um, in fact, can I do my bad now because it lines up with yeah. your right, with your it. bad? You so my my bad is that the top eight is pretty much set now. I think. If you're looking at it, right, the official ladder is Panthers, Storm, Cowboys, Broncos, Sharks, Eels, Rabbitohs, Roosters at eight. Now, the only thing I think could change from there is the Rabbitohs dropping out in favor of one of three teams, right? And this is probably a bit optimistic as a Dragons fan, but this also comes into the band the ugly as well. Is the Seagulls, Dragons, and Raiders. I think those are the only three teams, and of course they're the next three teams in the ladder, but they're the only teams that could challenge the Rabbitohs. That's three teams. So that's yep. four teams vying for one spot in the eight. I think the other seven teams are going to be in the top eight. That's it. I do want to say... I don't... I want to yep. say... I'm going to give the Sharks an unfavorable mention. Now, I'm not saying that, like... Okay. They're, they're in a position, but they didn't look 
amazing against the Warriors. Like when te- people, yeah. were, you know, people were putting money of them to win by like thirty plus. The Warriors came out of yeah. the gate and had them had them by a balls. And I just think the Sharks first year under Craig Fixit Gibbon, they have those moments, those moments of lapses where they they definitely could. Yeah. They could slip and slide, and yeah, I agree with everyone they've, else, though, the Rabbits. They've definitely the... come down from when they were in the top four. I think yeah. they're a top eight side, not a top four side, yeah. uh, heading into the back end of the year. But I think it's bad in the sense that, you know, obviously it's it's sort of less exciting, you know, for, for the year. You, we kind of know who the, the, the good teams are. We know who the bad teams are. So we sort of know how the top eight is going to shake out. Um, there's some good to it as well, because then it makes games like today, where the doggies are up over the eels, a bit more exciting. For sure, and you know, okay, well, this is this is a top eight team versus a bottom eight team. The top eight team should win. It does make it more exciting because you're more certain that this team is supposed to be in the top eight and not just in there by fluke. But I think that is sort of bad. Is that we've got a clear distinction in the competition between top eight and bottom eight? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I, I and at the very least, we've got a very we've got a, we've got a very clear dividing line. 11. Between <laughs> top eleven, uh, between eleven and and six, between and, eleven and twelve, and the to sixteen. We can call it the wasteland. That's yeah. the wasteland. That's where teams yeah. go to die. Um, okay, yeah. let me get onto my ugly because it's also where uh, people who yeah. have forgotten, like yourself, um, who call them the Auckland Warriors, but they are actually the New Zealand. I Warriors. I like that one from you. <laughs> and the fact that people have forgotten that they actually come from New Zealand. So at first it was. You and Aitken, who said, look, I'm not willing to move back. And that's all right. I get it. Yeah. You know, he came out and he said it early. And then it was Matt yeah. Lodge who all, all of a sudden got into a bit of a fisty cuff and was like, fuck this, I'm out. So you've got two pretty yeah. decent players, you know, and we cut Lodge early. Then the coach, the coach Nathan yeah. Brown, goes, wait a minute, we're over. We're coming I've got to, to halfway, New Zealand. Halfway points of the season. And he's like, I'm unsure if I actually want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go back to New Zealand after coaching them to a, what was it, a 32% win rate, which is, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. And then swiftly retiring, which was the right decision because you don't deserve yeah. to coach another team after what you've just done there. So it's just the fact mm. that people need to remember that the New Zealand Warriors come from New Zealand. So if you sign for them, you are moving to New Zealand. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm hoping Mitch Barnett, who actually was oh, one of the Oh, Reese Walsh is the next... Yeah. Oh, well, I, I've already assumed that he will eventually leave, but Mitch Barnett, who's actually just yeah. recently signed, and one of the few guys to put up a fight for the Knights uh, in this week, decides that he does want to move to New Zealand and isn't forgetting that we're not staying in Australia because, you know... Well, yeah, that's, that's the thing as well. Is that they're, they're just down the road from Newcastle Knights <laughs> and Central Coast. So you must yeah. think, oh, yeah, just a two-hour difference that's fine i'll yeah, do that exactly. easy could still could still go to the same pub and everything yeah yes. no mate you're off the cross the tasman yes so that is my ugly on to your good and ugly all right mate. okay yeah so my my good is also to do with the queensland team um but not the north queensland cowboys nor the team from the gold coast it's the brisbane broncos who faced a a real test a coming out of an origin period in which they've lost katoni stags to injury right they lost players during the game. They lost Reynolds. They lost Farnworth, and they lost. Uh, that's yeah. that's it. Uh, so they lost their their playmakers right during the game, and they still came out and beat a, a Raiders squad that is p- trending upwards. That put in a good performance as well. That weren't looking sort of like the Raiders early in the year where I thought something was wrong. I actually think the Raiders have started to have found sort of their speed now and found what's going to make them successful. Um, 
I, I see them towards the bottom end of the eight still. I don't see them as sort of true contenders, at the, at least not yet. Um, Jack Whiten's stepped it up a notch as well. I think that Blues game has done, and him being included in the squad has done wonders for him and for the Raiders. But the Broncos faced a real test, and they came out of it without crumbling. Uh, Pat Carrigan is put in an incredible uh, week of rugby league where he's still somehow walking around. Oh, the dogs have just scored again. Wow. (laughs) Wow, we are watching... Wow, we are seeing uh, crumbling eels. It is uh, unagi for dinner tonight in Belmont. Yeah, so but the Broncos faced a real test and they passed it. They passed it really well to keep themselves in the top form. Now, next week is a a different level of challenge. Next week, this this week was like this week was like a a mid-year exam. Next is the finals, where it's the Melbourne Storm. This is this is it. This is how legit are you now? With the number of injury clouds hanging over them. That's gonna that's gonna really hurt. Uh, that being said, the Melbourne Storm have looked mortal in recent weeks. They don't have uh, they haven't had Pappenhausen for a little bit. It remains to see his health availability. Uh, but yeah, I think the Broncos have have found something this year, um, and Kevy Walters is doing a really great job with them. So the Broncos were my good this week with how they have sort of stepped it up. Uh, we already did my bad, which was the, the top eight being pretty much set. Now for my ugly. It is my St. George of the Warrior Dragons being their own worst enemies. Being their own worst enemies. The, the scoreline of the, the game uh, is reflective of the skill difference between the two teams, but is also reflective of the, um, the precision of the two teams and the errors of the two teams. A number of opportunities were gifted to the Cowboys because of the mistakes the, the Dragons made. And... Almost no one's immune to it. Zach Lomax has picked up a, a turnover bug in recent weeks. So I think he's trying too hard. I think he's trying too hard to to, to be more than uh, what they need him to be. I think he's trying to really bring more to the team. And I think he just needs to relax and just play his style of game and just let it come naturally. I think he's probably putting too much onto his shoulders for such a for such a young guy. Um, just just I think on that. I, I 100% yep. agree. Like, Zach Lomax, he, he does do those silky smooth flick passes and this and that. So that's his game. And what he's realising as the Dragons are losing games, uh, although he's already doing that, they're still not winning. And so I think it's getting into his head. Yeah. I've got to take the extra step. I've got to push that extra pass. Yeah. I've got to... Because he knows he can do it. Like, far, I've seen too yeah. many games this year where I've gone, Zach Lomax, that is freakish. Like, you know, like he yeah. somehow gets a ball away. He's beaten three defenders, got another two draping over him, and he still gets a ball away. So he, he knows he can do it. So I think, like you said, he's trying to go that extra yard because... He's a competitor. You can tell Zach Lomax is a competitor. Yeah. He wants to win. He will do anything to win, and he's just taking that that step too far. So, one hundred percent agree with that point. Yeah. So, I think. Look, I think the the. I think Tarek Sims is. He shouldn't have been in the Blues squad, and we'll talk about Origin here in a moment. But uh, look, there's a few forwards that aren't sort of earning their their keep at the moment, and are, are costing the team in, in a big way. And I mean, I've said it all year. The, you need to get Jaden Sullivan on the field because when he's on the field, he's one of their best, both in attack and in defense this year. He's really elevated his defensive game, which is something Anthony Griffin called for him to do. I think McCulloch and Embi do a serviceable job at hooker, but I think you need Sullivan in there 
uh, more because I think he provides more of an X factor around the ruck, which is something that the Blues suffered from, and it's something the Dragons suffer from chronically is slow ruck play. And when you've got a speedy hooker um, that can that can make it work, then you see success like what the Maroons saw. So I think the Dragons at the moment are their own worst enemy. I think they are they are more so than teams beating them. They are creating mistakes they're being sloppy in defense that is giving these other teams chances i think they they are a better team than the level they're playing at right now which is very disappointing to see as a fan because you look at the pieces they've got there they should be uh, a good team i think they're just letting themselves down a bit yeah i couldn't agree more because i think the dragon suck but um, I don't think they're winning. All right, August. 15. So I think, yeah, as bad as the team that we shall not name are, uh, I don't think they went to August. So come and join us and then we can we can make the line 10. I think Sea Eagles and Raiders will get above that line and the rest of us will be the wasteland. Uh, yeah. But let's talk about, to finish off, State of Origin, Game 1 at a core stadium, I believe, because I went to it, I should yeah. know. At a core stadium, yep, in the middle of a bunch of... Maroons fans, I enjoyed myself heavily as the Maroons took game one mm. from the New South Wales team. Now, first thoughts. A lot of people are going to overreact in New South Wales. A lot of people are calling, oh, yeah. you know, for not Freddie's head, but Freddie's selections shockers. In that last 15 minutes of the game, I don't think I've seen a more dominant side. Even when you won, even when you beat us 50 to 4, it felt like that. All that you missed yeah. was scoring tries. Like I was, my nails were so eaten, it was ridiculous because you just looked yeah. like you were going to run a try after try after try and you just couldn't find the points. Okay, so that's my yeah. first thought. So don't worry too much about the selection issues that I think. Yeah, there were a couple of interesting decisions, but Freddie knows what he's doing. Yeah. B, Nathan Cleary had an off night. Not a bad night, just a slightly off night. Yeah. I don't think he was at his attacking best. I think that was done because Queensland put some good pressure on him, but I think he wasn't yeah. at his best. And again, when he's at his best, I think you win games. Mm. Three, Cam Munster was a freak. He was a freak. Yes. Every time, anything he did turned to gold, and that was fantastic. So massive for him. I think a player like Valentine Holmes stood up massively, like an unreal performance yep. with the injuries to move on to the wing. He was everywhere, did everything, expected to. A massive upset, I think, by Queensland. I still think it was an upset to go into Sydney and win in Sydney. Yep. It shows, it certainly shows how amazing Tom Trebrovich and Latrell Mitchell are because I sit yes. there and I go, we won that game, and I go, oh, I don't know if we win that game with those two there. No, <laughs> and that's enough against Jack Whiten. Don't, don't get me wrong. Jack Whiten, I think, was just about mm. the best New South, New South Welshman on the field. I think he's forever got that 14 jersey should be on lock for him because the fact yeah. that if Tommy and Latrell go back, they go back to centres. And again, I wouldn't select Latrell in game two. Probably wouldn't even select him in game three. I'd say, hey, depending on what happens in game two, Maybe if you win game two and you need him for game three and it's it's all hand on deck, depends what they decide to do with the team. But I would go, Trail and Tommy are, are centres, Jack Whiten's 14, because what he did there and what impact he made whenever he touched the ball on defence, I just thought he was fantastic. Your turn, Mr. 100% Loser. agree. <laughs> all right, person not even from this country. Uh, 100% agree. I, I've watched that game and I'm just like, 
man, I miss Trevojevic and Luttrell. Like, <laughs> God, I miss those two. Katoni Staggs had an okay game. Uh, he's, he obviously had that injury. I think Stephen Crichton came on and was sort of, the rest of the team was gassed around him, so he couldn't really make much plays. I think the the, the forwards were not used enough. Um, like, I get the game plan from Freddie to have the outside backs do some hit-ups and then have the forwards uh, ready in defense, raring to go, but I think the forwards didn't step up enough. Uh, yeah, look, for me, Tarek Sims, he's, he's a dragon. He's going to the Storm next year, but I don't, I don't think he's... I don't think he's been good, in good enough form. I was very surprised he was named in the squad, in, on the bench or starting. I would have put Tyson Frizzell in there over him, honestly. Even if you look at just their... Even though the Knights as a club... Uh, I mean, Sorry. sure, they're doing worse than the Dragons at the moment, but barely, right? Yeah. And they're, they're a bit of a club in a, in a bit of a mix. But, yeah, I would still put Frizzell in there over I, Sims. I think um, you start Cam Murray there and start Martin and just put Cam well, Murray Well, well yeah... Well, yeah, Murray was was an injury concern, so they yeah. wanted to rest him a bit and not not take take the the initial phase of the game where the sting hits yeah. the hardest, <laughs> take him out of that to avoid injury. And I get that. Oh, so they were, they were worried would... about him, but not as a you know, interesting, interesting, very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yo 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 like, yo cupped a cupped a head knock. He, he, he was wasn't injured. Out. Before, he though, was right? yeah. No, 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 no. He was he was. I remember he was just a little that. bump. First contact, and I was like, "There's Ayo, yeah. Ayo gone for the game." And the fact the, that the independent doctor cleared him, the independent that's, that's, doctor cleared him. So. I, don't get me wrong; it's state of origin, so like I get there's another level yeah. to this. But but if we're talking about head collisions, that's the worst of the worst. Like to not be pulled from the field, like he was he was out. So again, yeah. I just I don't right. care. I don't care if, if that's the level again. That's it's state of origin. Even Stephen Crichton's penalty, I was like, that's. Borderline, yeah. not a penalty, but you've got to get that out of the game, so I understand why yeah. that is, because this is a state of origin, but I think head knocks have drawn a line, and they've got to go, yeah, all right. Like, it, yep. it counts in origin as well, like, consistency across the board. Yeah. Yeah, Continue, so, sorry, uh, yeah, Miss Mitchell and Trebojevic, and I think, this, yeah, some of the forwards, yeah, Tarek Sims has got to go. Like, I get why you wanted to have him in there as a bit of an enforcer, and he did that role last year, but he's a year older now, and I don't think he's got the same step... I think there's actually been a marked difference between Tarek Sims of last year and this year, uh, even at club level. So I think uh, he's going to be pulled out. Liam Martin was a little bit disappointing. I don't think that's entirely his fault. I think the props did a really good job, uh, but I, I think it was sort of the, the locks and, and back rowers that were a little bit um, disappointing. I think you've got to get Jake Trevojevic in the squad because he, he steps it up to another level at Origin. Um, I think you, you and definitely and, in saying that just... Isaiah Yo was again probably behind Whiten, your best player. When he's yeah. on the field, you look so much better. So the, the the time he was off, you're either asking him to play eighty minutes, or you're saying we need someone who can actually fulfil that role better than we yeah. had there. And I think that's a Jake Bobrovich. Like, okay, come in, you give us twenty minutes of hard tackling, you give Isaiah Yo that twenty minute break, you do the job for us. So yep. Yeah, continue. Exactly. Um, no, no, you're all good. And uh, yeah, look, I think Tedesco was. If Whiten and Yo were one or two, Tedesco was three. Like, he, early stages of the game, he looked a bit constrained. I think he was trying to play within Freddie's game plan. And I think Freddie sort of took the muzzle off a bit and just said, do what you want to do. We we need you need, we need to make something happen. Um, and, yeah, I think the halves would probably be disappointed in their own performances. But I think there's a lot of times where I saw New South Wales forwards just sort of standing around where it Queensland forwards were sort of consistently flying around the field. Um, and that's that's sort of always been the, the case in origin is the the... Queensland forwards have um, have have always been at a high level, whereas the New South Wales forwards can 
rise and fall a bit. And so I think the New South Wales forwards need to take a little bit of a look at themselves. Um, I'd be very interested to see this game in Perth, how that goes goes down. And I'd love for it to be a serious decider in Brisbane. That would That's be amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think I, uh, there's no panic stations for me, um, but I think it's... I think it's actually really good that there is this level of competition back in. Um, you know, I think Slater coming in to Queensland is sort of like what happened when Freddie came in a couple of years ago. Yep. He's brought sort of some fresh ideas. He's brought the new talent in that uh, Paul Green last year wasn't able to do. Um, Paul Green sort of knew he was a caretaker. He was an interim coach. Um, he wanted to show sort of his coaching credentials. Um, he didn't want to push anything too far because he's trying to get another head coaching job and obviously he didn't get it. Uh, but he, he's, you know, probably looking at probably uh, Bulldogs <laughs> <No>. and Tigers <laughs> and yeah. So uh, yeah, I think Slater's come in without any sort of preconceived notions of coaching. He's just looked at the players and um, Cobo was amazing, you know, played 12 games, but oh. that try he set up for Valentine Holmes was amazing. Paddy Carrigan was uh, intense. He's brought his game to another level this year, oh, which yeah. is another reason why the Broncos yeah. are playing so well. Cotter was 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 solid, but I mean that's fine. Like he, that's he wasn't from him, spectacular, you know? yeah. <laughs> but you just need solid. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's uh, what we were so, missing last year. Yeah. Was that like you know like when you had. No, no offense to him, Dunamis Louis coming off the bench and stuff. It just yeah. we just didn't have that 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 guy that would do there and do the job constantly. Get up, make sixty yeah. odd tackles, and just do it. So it was good to see. Yeah. I mean, I'll be interested who Coates gets replaced for. Uh, I think Murray Tuilangi is putting his hands up pretty pretty high uh, yeah. as well as Corey Oates. But I think Corey Oates just did he just miss the Broncos game because of injury? I don't, I'm not sure. Um, I didn't see. I'm him, not sure, but I also didn't watch much of the game. Uh, so I think Tuilagi's yeah. putting his hands up. I think again, I know Madison's been talked about to be dropped. I think they're slightly unfair on him, just how the game went. I, yeah. I think he could still bring an impact again. First, one of his first Origin games, if not his first Origin game, I believe yeah. it was. So I think it I was mean, his yeah. first. He was 18th man last year, so I think it was so his first, first one. So I mean, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see what squads get selected. I don't think you need to make too many changes at uh, a new. Well, South obviously, side what, one change that needs to be made is a is the center that uh, is the center Stags to replace Tony Staggs, and I think that will actually play a huge impact because I, I don't think Staggs was bad, but you could see the clear drop off between a Latrell or a Tommy Turbo and and Staggs, well, which is crazy I, to see because Staggs is so dominant at club level, but it just shows that Origin is a different arena. The thing with Staggs is you either get you know, a 10 out of 10 game or you'll get like five out of 10 where we're saying like one's bad. So it's like, it's just nothing yeah. like, you know, whereas the trail, Tommy, even Jack Whiten are constantly giving us six sevens, you know, and then have that 10 game. Whereas Stags, yeah. similar to Talakai, which is, you know, you see when Talakai goes, he's a 10. When he doesn't go, it's like nothing. He's, he's was he even on the field? Like he may, he wasn't as damaging. Yeah. He didn't. Again, early in the season, we were asking the same thing about Stags. Stags didn't have many, many tackle breaks. I think he had one for like the first three games, and then all of a sudden yeah. he explodes. So I think it's on the game on the day he could explode. But we, the, the, it's, again, it's another level state of origin. So it's 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 going to yeah. be interesting. I think Crichton probably slots in there um, and does a, a fairly good job. But again, it's going to be interesting. Like like those injuries that come in and come out between then and there, who who actually gets. Get selected and and like you said, if we if we do get a a decider in Suncorp, how fantastic that will be! Um, but I wouldn't mind for you. Yep. <laughs> sure. Anything else, Husey? I think we've ticked it off. The two big sports that we need to talk yeah. about: rugby, rugby league. Yeah, a lot's happened in the world. Big episode today. It has been. It's it's been a it's been a lot has happened. You know, squad selected, Origin. Yeah. You know, semi finals going into a final now. Super Rugby. 
the Bulldogs are beating the Eels. What's happening? No one knows. <laughs> but yep. thank you for joining us. We'll be again back next week. And we will be keeping you up to date with all the sports throughout the week. So follow us on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Subscribe to our YouTube. See you later. Goodbye. Peace.